What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two, one. Well, hey there, Rugby Rant fans. Welcome to the opening of our new rebranded show. Of course, this is the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And joining us here today, the man of the hour, we have, of course, Steve Hoyles from the LA Guiltini. Steve, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, and I can tell you, on behalf of all the Major League Rugby fans out there, we are super stoked to be able to have you here, because not only are you a a seasoned veteran of Super Rugby, I think it's over 100 caps, uh, what is it, 16 for the Wallabies, Uh, I mean, then you were a coach for the Wallabies as well, under the Sevens program, I mean, you've got a rich rugby history, my friend, so we're here to be able to dig into that, learn a little bit more about how... You, of course, came to be a part of the Guiltinis because that's what the fans really want to learn about here today. Not that we don't care about you. We just want to know everything about you and that. So to tell us more on how the interview is going to work here in our run, pass or kick interview, I hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt. Tell us how it works. Hey, first of all, thanks for joining us, Steve. It's really great to have you on. So run, pass or kick works like this. I'm going to ask a question. I'll prompt you at some point during the course of the question. Do you want to run with the question? If you do, then just tell us. I'm going to run with it, and you answer the question straight away. If you want to pass on the question, it's a little dicey one. You'd like to avoid it, maybe throw a sidestep or a dummy in there. That's okay. We'll accept that. Then you just avoid the question. Let us know you want to pass on it. But if you indeed want to have a little fun with us and put the pressure on us, a good kick always puts the pressure on the offense, right? So. Just tell us you want to kick, and unless we, uh, you tell us who you're going to kick it to, I'll assume that the question, the person asking the question, uh, is going to go ahead and answer it. And you can tell us that we did a great job answering it, or you can tell us that we're absolute crap. So <laughs> does that sound like a plan, and you're ready for the challenge, sir? Oh, I'm ready for the challenge, fellas. Let's go. All right, mate. I'm going to keep it easy on you for the first one. So, uh, 
run past or kick. You have a wonderful young family and surfing is in your DNA. I was listening to another podcast and I know that you're into surfing. Uh, when you presented your wife with the idea of coaching in LA, did part of the deal include a promise to be close to the beach? I'll run with that one, fellas, and, and that's an absolute yes. That was a, a big part of the, the decision was obviously where we're going. We're, we grew up on and we live on the beach here in Sydney. Uh, just been down there this morning, actually. The weather's just starting to come warm again. So moving over to LA, and I think at the moment we're initially looking around that, that Santa Monica region, although there's a bit of talk which could be more up near Amosa Redondo. We're, we're not actually sure where we'll be based just yet, but um, that was a big part of it. I also love my skiing, and so I've got a first cousin living in Park City, so... Um, being close to the mountains in California, all that stuff was attractive to us. So, look, we live in a great country here, but the US is something that I've never spent a huge amount of time in, and it's, it was one of the many reasons um, why we wanted to make the move. Right, absolutely. And, yeah, of course, absolutely. it's going to be an exciting move. Um, I'm going to jump in on the next one here, Rob. And, uh, Steve, run, pass, or kick on this one. Uh, I had briefly mentioned in your introduction that you, of course, are a former Wallabies player, so I figure you might be the best person to be able to answer this. So run, pass, or kick. The Wallabies have won a Rugby World Cup in 91 and in 99, right? So yep. which were the better team? Yeah, I'll run with that again. I don't know if I'll give it – I'll give you my answer. I don't know if it's the right answer or not. Um, I'm probably going to go – with the the 90, 91 team was probably the team that had just you had Campisi, you had Young right. Hor and Young Jason Little. That was probably stacked with better individuals. The ninety nine team, I believe, didn't have the superstar power that the ninety one team did. Even though you had Tim Horan still in the side and a couple of other guys, he was at the towards the back end of his career. I would say the ninety nine team was probably a better team in terms of they got the most out of their ability from one to 30 to become world champions. And I don't think 91, we're always probably tracking to win a world cup. Like we had a dominant series in the mid eighties right. with New Zealand. We had grand slams in 84. So that kind of carried the, those guys, the Nick Farr Jones and the point events to 91. Whereas 99, I don't think too many people expected the Wallabies to win a world cup. There was a dominant all black South Africa had just come out of the apartheid. So I'd probably say 99, was the side that worked harder to become world champions. Interesting. I think it's a fair answer. You know, it's also the difference between, yeah. uh, you know, pre-professional era and post, you yeah. know. So, yeah. yeah. And look, the Wallabies the probably pioneered at, at that time under Rod McQueen and they, they jumped on the back of the Brumbies' success early and they, they played a different style of footy and it was probably the style of footy that teams adopted for the early part of 2000s. And, and based on 99 and 91, the, the Australian rugby was a – it was what people wanted to take overseas and people were trying to get coaches to go to Europe and explain this new way of rugby, which is what Rod McQueen really kind of brought in. So I think they pioneered a bit of the, the new age of rugby back then. And, and if we're being honest now, we've probably fallen a little bit behind that here in Australian rugby. We're sort of, you know, we were the leader in it. Now we're kind of a little bit the, the follower. Fair enough. You know what? Thanks for answering that. Back to, uh, to Rob, what you yeah. got? That was a great answer. And I'm just going to take a moment Um the funny thing about that 99 team, I, if you don't notice, uh, I, I'm a big fan of rugby memorabilia. And I actually here in the States found somebody selling a jersey on Facebook Marketplace. It was a Queensland Reds jersey from 2000. And when I saw it, I said, oh, my God, there's got to be some World Cup winning Wallabies 
on that squad. And so I had him send me a picture of the plaque or the nameplate. And, you know, my, one of my favorites when I started playing in the in the mid-90s, John Eels. I and, knew you were going to say that. Yeah. So many great players. Kicker in the forward pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome, man. And I got it for twenty five dollars framed. It's uh, hanging up in my office. It's w- what a great piece. I really love it. Um, speaking of the Wallabies, um, or one passer quick kick. Excuse me. The last Wallaby coach to have a better than fifty percent record is Robbie Deans with a fifty eight percent. It's safe to say that uh, you and McKenzie and your close friend Michael Cheka struggled to bring the team back to prominence that they had under Rod McQueen, as you mentioned, the World Cup winning coach. What does Dave Rennie have to do to get the Wallabies back into the top five or even top three in rugby world rankings? Yeah, I'll run with that, fellas. I think we need to – I don't think it's – there's no coincidence that Super Rugby, the Australian sides have been unsuccessful and therefore the Wallabies have been unsuccessful. So we have to – we have to do whatever we can to make sure our provincial competition or our provincial sides in whatever competition we play in, and, and we're a little bit lost where that's going to go at the moment because of COVID, of course. But, you know, Rod McQueen had success at Wallaby level. Eddie Jones had success at the Wallaby level. Um, and Robbie Deans did it in the early part of his time at the Wallabies because the Super Rugby sides, one of them was always very successful, sometimes two. We've, we've jumped from three teams to four to five in the last sort of, 10, 12 years, we've really stretched our playing, playing ranks. And as a result, we've had probably in the last six years, we've had five teams, which has gone back to four, now gone back to five because of COVID. They've really struggled in the last five or six years. Our juniors have struggled up until probably two years ago. We've only just started to get a really successful, and when I say really successful, where we used to make the final regularly in the 19s or 21s, and now it's on the 20s. And up until the last year or two, we, we really didn't feature in the top six for about six years prior to that. So I think it's a level below test footy is what you've got to, you've got to get those guys going out on a weekend and getting comfortable winning, playing against New Zealand teams, South Africa teams uh, in super rugby and being comfortable beating them because it has a massive flow on effect when you then jump up to test level and you see the same face in a different jersey. If you've beaten that person on the field before and you, you're regularly beating those players, you're not daunted by it. And I, I came into professional rugby in 2004, and that was after the Wallabies had made the final in the World Cup, of course. Uh, and it was just kind of, it was just expected that you go out there and you played and you, you beat a New Zealand side and you beat a South African side. And we probably won 60, 70% of those games. Yeah. And, and that flowed on into test footy around that time. So I think Dave Rennie, we've got to work out a style of footy that suits us. We've got a, a very, very different style of rugby player now. We've got a high number of Polynesians playing rugby in Australia and they're, they're phenomenal footy players. We've got to find out a way that, that suits their style of footy best, and we've got to try and merge that into a way that suits, um, you know, the previous Australian ways of the early 90s and stuff. So I think Dave Rennie probably be best suited to doing that. He's had a huge experience coaching uh, the Chiefs and he's Cook Islander by background. So I, I honestly think that'll be a, a very big factor in how we succeed as a Wallaby side. Absolutely. And and um, what's interesting is, you know, speaking of, of excellent uh, coaches coming from Australia, the rugby leadership at the Giltinis has a strong Aussie backbone. This seems to be a logical fact given that owner Adam Gilcrest is an Australian himself. So run, pass, or kick. How did this core of head coach Darren Coleman, yourself, and G- uh, general manager Adam Fryer form? Yeah, I'll run with that. That's it's probably best that I answer that instead of one of you guys. So um, <laughs> I, 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 know, I know Adam from enough. Adam Gilchrist played a lot of rugby 
Uh, he's probably five years older than myself, but he played Australian 19s and 21s. He was a, a good young front rower himself. And I know him through the F45 network. I own F45 in Coogee, and he's obviously the, the CEO okay. of that business. So that was where sort of my connection with, with Adam came along. Um, and it was probably just a, a few conversations. It was around about the time when the, the LA7s event was on. And we were over there at the same time, and LA had probably been announced not not too not exactly sure when it was announced, but it was around about that time they were getting close. And this was pre-COVID, of course. It was everything was sort of just starting to build for the the LA rugby side, and we just spent a bit of time with Adam over there. And um, a couple of years back, Darren Coleman had coached the the Ringer Rats to their first premiership in about 50 years here in the Sydney competition. And Adam was that's Adam Gilchrist at that stage was trying to get involved with the Western Sydney rugby under the, the you know the Rapid Rugby, which which was owned by Twiggy Forest. So Darren was linked to that side for a little bit. Um, that fell through because of whatever reasons here in Australian rugby. That that side didn't get a license out in Western Sydney. So Darren then went and coached Gordon. He's got them sitting on top of the ladder. So there was a relationship already with Darren and Adam. Funnily enough, Darren Coleman used to coach uh, Adam Gilchrist back when Adam Gilchrist was playing New South Wales 19s and 21s. So uh, that all kind of started. And, and Adam Fryer has been working in rugby administration for the last eight or so years and um, he obviously had a very successful playing career. He's still playing, funnily enough. He's still playing first grade down at Randwick. Um, came on the weekend and threw a line out, not straight at the end of the game and cost Randwick a <laughs> top of the ladder spot. So I hope he's watching. He broke his hand <laughs> in the meantime. But look, he's, he got involved basically because, um, you know, we're, we're close mates. We've, we've worked together and we've played together. We've worked together. I've played under Darren. Uh, Adam's played under Darren. Adam Fry, that is. So look, it was... It, it just actually worked out pretty well. We all got on really well. Our families are close by. We're, we live in Coogee. Um, so, yeah, we're, we've been work, spending a fair bit of time lately together. Well, it sounds like you guys have the makings of a pretty awesome partnership that's built there on some good history and background. You know, of course, you spoke about that connection to back home to Australian soil, the rugby uh, that they enjoyed together. You know, what I when looking at Darren Coleman, at, I suppose my question here, run, pass or kick, Coleman being in the backline player in his own career and you being at eight, do you see yourself taking more control of the forwards? Uh, what role do you see yourself as the assistant coach? Uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll certainly be be more involved with the forwards uh, than, than I would be with the backs. We've also got Arene IE. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Arene IE, former New Zealand Sevens player in Auckland Blues. He's going to be one of that. Our, Say that name uh, again. Yeah, so. <laughs> Areni IE, Areni was a great player. He played um, Samoa in New Zealand Sevens. At one stage, he was the IRB Sevens Player of the Year in about 2005. Um, yeah. Played in France, Ceylon. He's played in Japan. He had a really successful career at the Auckland Blues. I think he won a Super Rugby with them in 2003. So he'll be involved with the attack along with Darren. I'll probably be more so defence and, and forward side of things. Um, yeah. We all know that forwards and defence wins the games and the back <laughs> decide by, by how many. So... Uh, I'll decide if we win the game, and Irene and Darren can work out by how many. Yeah, <laughs> I like that uh, that positivity there. Yeah. It's all about attitude, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. So well, pretty interesting drop on the uh, the the uh, attacking coach there. In addition, so thank you for sharing that for us. No, no worries, guys. So um, moving along, I'm going to lighten it up and see if maybe we can get you to 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 pass or possibly even kick on this one. Um, so recently I learned how to make a blue Hawaiian, a damn good one, by the way. Um, so I love me some fruity drinks when I'm sitting on the beach or hanging out on the boat. <laughs> Has Adam Gilchrist given you the secret 
to making your own guillotini? And if so, can you share it with all the fans out there in the MLR land? That's an easy kick to tie, that one. That's um, <laughs> your, your turn to man up on this one, Ty. Well, first of all, you're talking about fruity drinks. I don't know how much manning up there is. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know what, I mean, obviously a guiltini is some version of a martini drink, uh, to make it blue. Is it a blue lagoon slash a martini? Who knows? Right. Um, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what a Gilgroni is and look at you, you're wearing the shirt there, Rob, <laughs> um, which by the way, where did you get that shirt from? Oh, this shirt. Oh, it's courtesy of the rugby shop.com. Uh, they produce phenomenal products. They're partnering, of course. We know that they're partnering with some MLR teams, and one of them is, in fact, the Gilgronis. Um, and and by the way, I just I'm going to get a theme going here today. Uh, I don't know oh, if you guys out there can see this, but if, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you see that? that? LA Gilgronis. So you can be That's bought. Right. Rob. So, your support, your support can be bought. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anything for a little bit of swag. Okay. <laughs> I, nice I'm an absolute. I'm an absolute swag horse, Steve. Uh, and he, okay. my wife knows this. Okay. So let's have the referees over there on the side because we can get merch to anyone. <laughs> well, well, we have. I like that then. You know what? I'm going to take the opportunity before you do that, though. But, and excuse me for interjecting here, but we are fortunate enough. This is our first, uh, I would say, episode as the new name, the Rugby Rant. We previously, as our fans will know, we're under the name, the MLR Rant. And in order to be able to do so, we changed the name to be able to broaden the conversation, to be able to include topics outside of the MLR, and of course, to be able to include USA Rugby, Rugby Canada. We want to be able to appeal to the North American rugby fan in general. One of the people that are helping us do that is certainly the rugby shop, and they have done a fantastic job already of giving us some beautiful swag. Now I've got Hoyles on camera saying that we're getting some L.A. Giltini's gear, so that it just keeps rolling. But if you wanted to be able to take an opportunity to learn more about it yourself, uh, go and check out the rugbyshop.com. Fantastic opportunity. They are offering as much as 20% off all of their gear across the website when it comes to the rugby rant stuff. So go check out the new online store that's just come available. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that we did share that uh, because it really is phenomenal for them to be able to step up as well as all the other fans out there that have helped us get to where we are now on our show that we could reach even higher and greater levels to provide a greater service to you as the fan. So thank you all for watching the rugby run. And thank you Hoyles for joining us and sharing what news you've got to share with uh, the Giltini. So without further ado, let's return to that. So there's some folks out there that really want to know, as a matter of fact, uh, one of those individuals you can see, Sam really wants to ask about the Giltini name. So run, pass, or kick, will the L.A. franchise start the season in 2021 as the Giltinis? I'm happy to run on that. Uh, look, the answer is I don't actually know. Like I, I think when it first came out, there was obviously a unique name. We probably thought with the Gilgronis that a lot of people were, were surprised. And knowing Adam, like Adam Gilchrist, Thinks differently, and I, I think firstly, uh, I think he he owns the side, and and as someone who's never dealt with private ownership, um, you got to take the good with the bad, and you got to respect the guy who's putting his money on the line to to make this team, to get this team off the ground, and hopefully make it successful. So, while while it's unique and it, it caused a bit of backlash, I can I can totally see why it did, but at the same time, I, I also see his side of it, how he plans to develop a product and make that successful. 
In terms of where it'll land, I think um, the honest answer is watch this space. Like I, I don't know if it will or it won't. It's, it's really in the hands of, of Adam Gilchrist and how things develop over the, the course of the, the next few months. So um, it is definitely interesting and it's caused a few shockwaves. But again, if you know how Adam Gilchrist operates, you'd, you'd think a lot of people probably told him that he's, his gym business that he tried to launch or he successfully launched in about 2010 or 12, whenever it was, a lot of people probably thought that wouldn't work and, and it's been a, a huge success. So he thinks differently and, and he's encouraging he's encouraging us to do things differently. And we see it here in, in rugby in Australia, like uh, if we go down the same path that's always been done here, like things, things will struggle. We, you can do things differently in rugby. You can promote the game a little bit um, with a little bit more entertainment factor on, on your side and, and that's something that the, the club itself will be trying to do. We're, we're coaches so we focus on the on-field stuff but we also support the stuff they'll be doing off-field and it'll be, it will be done different and there'll be a few things that'll, that'll change and be interesting along the next few months. Well, I guarantee so, you, if you win 100% of your games in the first season and take the title, people will go, I love Giltinis. <laughs> <laughs> and right now I'm working on the Adam Gilchrist theme right here. I got Giltinis, I got Gilgronis, I'm ready to go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got, well, with the Gilgronies, you're right. And, you know, that's funny that you mentioned that because obviously there was a big stink when the Gilgronies name first came out. Well, okay, well, now everybody's kind of, that's settled and moved on because now they got the Giltinis thing to be able to to banter about. Um, but, yeah, remains to be seen, as you said, where it will lie come 2021. we got a long way to go before we get to the start of next season. But I wanted to ask you a question about the Giltini strategy up until now. So the MLR draft was happened for the very first time with the collegiate draft, and uh, yeah. it was by all means a great success, and it has created a great pathway to professional rugby that hadn't necessarily existed before then. So what was interesting is that the Giltinis, in their role, actually traded their second pick as an expansion team to be able to gain a foreign player spot. But in addition, they had also moved, I think it was down to 22nd on the pick. Uh, so you had two yeah, picks. Yeah, it might have been 24th. Yeah, so 22nd or 24th, yeah. Somewhere near the end, right? Yeah. And yeah. So as a result, you had given up the opportunity to have first pick, probably because you had you know the guys in mind. You knew that there wasn't too much activity around them. I guess run, pass, or kick. Here's the question. and Make sure I get it right because it's a two-parter here. Have you signed the two draftees? Because, of course, you drafted them. You go into negotiation period. Have they been signed? The second half of that, what is your intention and how do you plan on using the foreign player spot? Yeah, I'll run with that, fellas. So, look, the, the draft for us is very, it's a very new concept. It's, it's been dabbled within a few sports over here in Australia, but it's not something we're familiar with. So, um, and, and COVID certainly didn't help us with that because I think we would have planned to have someone on the ground really hands-on looking at this the draft and we had Arenio over there passing through names and we're looking at copious amounts of footage and highlights, links and um, I, I felt we felt as though the club felt that our best bet for the college draft would probably be year two when we actually get to go and research the guys ourselves and get relationships and see who's playing well and what colleges are going well. We found it really difficult from here to get a gauge of where things are at. So then when the opportunity came to pick up an extra foreign spot and with us being so heavily influenced here in Australia, it was just it was an easy decision. Uh, I don't think it's something we'd I'd probably say we probably wouldn't consider doing it for the following year because we'd like to back ourselves and you know work with the local clubs and the local colleges to see who the developing talent is. Uh, in terms of the two guys we saw, we we got in the draft. It was McLeish and Watson. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure we're, we're fairly we're fair way down the track with one of them, and we've still got a bit to go with another, and we're just working on that at the moment. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and then uh, let me go on to the next question that we got lined up here. Uh, in fact, Rob, I think you're the next one to be able to take the question. You want to be able to jump in on that one? Yeah, absolutely. And we had this kind of stems from um, a, a, a watcher, um, Karen, uh, and I want to get Karen's last name right because I butchered it on the Canadian LaRouge podcast. <laughs> Karen um, Gas- Gas- Gasparino. And yeah, she wanted to know about uh, popular Canadian wingers and whether there's been any signings of popular Canadian wingers. But more specifically, um, I want to know about quality Raptors too that are connected with um, possibly signing with LA. We know who signed with the Jungles. And so we can only assume that some of the guys that played with the Raptors are unsigned and therefore possibly being signed by LA. So run pass or kick with each of these names. I'm going to say a player's name and you can answer with a run or you can pass on it, meaning you're not going to say anything. Or again, you can kick it to one of us and we'll give you an idea whether we think uh, that they've signed. So the first name, I'm going to throw an easy one at you here, Blake Rogers. That's an easy one, fellas. I'll run with that because I, I think Blake might have announced it somewhere in the, the world of rugby in the US that he signed. And it was actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. I can't, I can't sit here and say no because I'm pretty You're sure like, he told you. Why is faces. he throwing me this one? There's, there's a catch yeah. up this one. <laughs> we're, we're terrible self-promoters. Terrible self-promoters. Okay, that's fine. You go okay. with it. Yeah. All right. Again, here's you know, run, pass, or kick. John Ryberg. Oh, I'd like to sign him, but I'm going to kick that one over to you, Rob. Uh, I'm going to say no. Okay. We've heard some rumors that he's going someplace else. We won't get into too much detail, but uh, I, I'm going to say no on that one. I don't know. It's interesting. Right. You know, I mean, who, who knows? Because I, I have a really strong feeling it's not Dallas. I have a really strong feeling it's uh, – I, I put it this way. I have a stronger feeling of I know where he would choose not to go, but it's kind of like up in the air between two as to where he might go. And funny enough, two of those hints are actually on the screen if the viewer can figure it out. Um, but I'll leave it as, as, as such. So uh, that'll be interesting to be able to see. That'll be interesting. I mean, there's a guy who was the number one try scorer for the 2019 season and 2020, of course, was truncated season. So definitely a talent to have, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he looks good. Here's another talent. You're probably a little bit more f- familiar with this fella, uh, Matt Gitu. Oh, that's a big name. Um, yeah, look, we'd love to have a guy like Matt Gitto. I, I don't know if he's – he's still playing club footy here in Canberra, so I'll, I'll run right. with this one. I'm not, I, won't, I won't be able to confirm anything, but I – um, we'd love to have him, and I think there's a little bit of work that would need to be done still. I think he's still trying to work out if he wants to keep playing. He's obviously a pretty well well known player, and he'd, he'd offer a hell of a lot to our squad. But um, yeah, nothing's finalised there, unfortunately. And we spend a lot of our time trying to get a few of these players, and it's a it's a long work in progress. For sure. Um, how about this one, Nick Boyer? Yeah, I can run on that. I've seen that announced somewhere. We've got Nick Boy. That's uh, he's probably announced on your show already, has he? <laughs> that was that wasn't us. That one. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've seen I've seen Nick Boyer and I saw uh, Nick Boyer and Blake Rogers are the only two confirmed signings. So look, we, we'll have a lot more announced over the course of the next four to 
six weeks and and uh, there's a bit of a strategy behind it, which again that's the that's right. the off field team role to look at. But um, there has been a lot of things that have been a little bit more challenging. We've had extra foreign spots. We've had uh, yeah, we got the the whole issue with visas and stuff like that. How do we get everyone into the country? Like at the moment, like you essentially can't leave Australia. It's a really difficult thing to do. So right. um, a lot of these, a lot of the, the things we're playing around with at the moment are a little bit out of our control. So we've sort of got Plan A, Plan B, Plan C. So so yeah, let me let me Nick, yeah, he's there. Run, pass, or kick. I mean, just just spitballing here off the back of what you had just said. Visa is an issue you got to look for local talent that at least you can secure right away. So as Robert yep. pointed to, the Raptors, um, obviously in their exit from the MLR, you got a lot of experience that ha- that you have the ability to be able to snap up. So, Rob, you have a list there that you can fire away at uh, at Hoyles and see what he might say on a run fossil kick again? Absolutely. Here's a tough one. This is certainly a young American talent, Mika Cruze. Yep, very good talent. Know about him. Uh, I'll have to pass on that one now. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, a pass is interesting. It's not a kick it back or anything right. like that. We're getting maybe you're giving it a little closer. Anything else? Uh, yeah, one more. Yeah. Here's a guy. Uh, I, I think it was known as Uncle Fester in the league. I'm not quite sure, but yeah. certainly uh, <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah, um, Luke White. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I saw Luke play a fair bit of rugby out here in, in Oz before he headed over, to, and and I think he's really gone. He's gone very well over there. So he's a player we, we really like to have, and we're, we're talking to. Um, and again, like I think he's been the MLR has been great for him. It's really helped him develop, and uh, had a few chats with him. And yeah, those Colorado that Colorado teams really successful. So we we hope to try and get a few more of those guys locked in over the next sort of four to six weeks. Okay, so you said that you are obviously having conversations with some of these names, and it's just a matter of putting, uh, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, hopefully, right? Obviously, there's still a long way to go until the season starts. So, yeah, I can see why, you know, things might be a little bit slower now than they would be in other times. Yeah, well, there's also the, there's a little bit of chat that we're sort of waiting to see with COVID whether – it's a February start or whether they move it back to April or sometime in between then. So all those things have a, especially with the uh, potential, like we've got 12 foreign spots. We might not be able to do all those if some of the guys we're trying to get are currently playing in different tournaments around the world. So um, we don't have a definitive date when we can leave. We don't have a definitive date when we can start. So all that has, uh, it, it plays out when it comes to contract time. Players want to know where they're going, when they're going, how they can get their family overseas. So it, it does take, you know, as we're starting to learn, it takes a little bit longer than we'd like. But right. we're confident that in the, as I said, the next sort of few weeks we'll be able to announce probably a, a large number of uh, things about the club over the next month or so. Cool. So, hey, you know, there's a, I'm going to go to another uh, viewer question here. And, and we can see this one's from Sam Upman. Um, and he's talking about development and, and growing rugby. And so um, this next question fits right in with where Sam was going. Run, pass, or kick. Most fans think it's the responsibility of the MLR franchise to develop local talent and create a pathway to professional rugby. Do the Giltinis or the LA franchise, whatever they might be named, have any plans to do this? Yeah, that, that's a look. I, I think what the MLR have done, they've actually incentivized the players. We get an extra amount in our salary cap if we can run through X amount of um, commitments with junior development and academies and stuff like that. So it's certainly something that 
the club's really keen on. Like, and, and I'm, we're not just saying that. That's a big part of the plan is to try and um, get junior teams, get women teams, get get young kids wanting to play for LA rugby. That's that's the plan. So, so far, like our discussions have been with. Uh, we know there's a strong club in Belmont, uh, Belmont Shore. We know that the Santa Monica, where we think we might be based or near there, they've got a rugby side that's you know, trying to get back up another division and, and long history of their rugby club down in Santa Monica. So, yeah, absolutely. Like it's, I, I don't think it's the league's responsibility. I think if you look here in Australian rugby, it isn't necessarily Australian rugby's responsibility. Like they can't, they can't do everything. So the, the head office can't be everywhere. They should be putting that responsibility back on the club. So, like, I know my club here, Ramwick, like what they used to do really well when they used to have a development officer and that person was in charge of going to schools and going to the junior clubs and, and that's why Ramwick is a strong, successful brand because everyone in the local area gets behind it and I think it's, it's it's very much the responsibility of us to make sure that LA in the local area, the, the junior rugby and the aspiring boys and girls know what the pathway is to rugby in the States. Right. You know, I'm curious a uh, point that you had made there that the – the existing MLR, well, let me go back to what you had said, is that they've almost been incentivized to make sure that they have local players that are coming through the ranks. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I mean, for those that aren't yeah, familiar, what do you mean? So the MLR, I believe, give us, we get our salary cap figure and then we get an extra, it's probably about, you know, potentially 5 to 10% on top of that we get if we, if we, get X amount of numbers in terms of headcounts in running coaching clinics and junior academy and right. making sure there's, there's, there's Building games. Building a greater and, rugby community. And exactly right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that, that'll be a big focus of a couple of players that we sign like there. You know, like a lot of the couple of players we'll try and get the players towards the end of their careers and they will hopefully have a role in trying to develop those junior programs to help not only help the rugby right. union in Los Angeles but also help our squad to be able to get more of a salary cap to potentially compete for yeah a, a better yes. outcome in the season. I love that because, as you say, you're giving them incentive. Uh, it's it almost allows you to form a bit of a partnership with the league and the growth right. of the communities uh, that they serve. So it's excellent. And to put that in context, you know, five hundred thousand dollar salary cap. If you can get as much as that ten percent incentive, that's a fifty thousand dollar bonus. And to yeah. put it again in perspective for our fans the top wage is 45000 for a single player. So you could essentially have another top player's salary covered by these programs. Yeah, exactly. Or you could split, split that between sure. two really Absolutely. good players, five developing players, however you want to play that. But, yeah, that's um, – yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's a very good thing from the league. With it, which is fantastic. Yeah. So I'm going to jump into the next question over here. And uh, we've got probably about, I don't know, maybe two or three more questions to go. And we'll give you the opportunity to share a message of your own with any fans or any family you want to put a shout out to. Um, but Rob had spoken about, you know, that, that community spoke about your, uh, your reach with uh, the Belmont groups, Santa Monica. Um, I want to be able to move on to, let's see, the next one here, which is. So it is no secret that the LA is one of the two most expensive markets to live in and work in. What is the plan to offset the cost of living for players and the staff that will be there when you have that hard salary cap? You know, people always talk about, you know, Seattle being an expensive place to be able to live and work. Uh, same for New York. What is your plan to offset some of those costs as a club? 
Yeah, that's a, oh, that's okay. a good question. Sorry, I forgot to be oh, no, no, it's, it's, no it's, I'll, I'll run with that. That's fine. I think it's um, – and we've had discussions with the league on that. We've, we've asked the league to sort of – if there's any um, extra allowances for players that have to come and live in, you know, that they, you know we've got a salary cap of $500,000. People aren't all going to be able to, to live on the fact that they're a professional footy player. So part of their, part of their roles within the club or the club's role is to get those guys working outside of hours to help assist with their rent and things like that. So it's, uh, again, like people probably sit back and, and wonder why we haven't announced 10, 15, 20 players signing. It's because a lot of the little things like this, like we don't want, we can't announce a young kid or sign him until we know that he's going to be going to get over there and he's going to be on, be able to survive on his own two feet and he's going to be able to be the best rugby player he can be. So all that stuff is, is, is time consuming. So, um, again, we've had conversations and dialogue with the league about is there any compensation for players that live in extra states? Like I, I use here in, in Sydney, for example, Sydney is an expensive place to live. And mm. in our AFL, Australian Football League over here, the Sydney Swans over the years have always had um, extra allowance to live in, in Sydney because of where they train. It's a relatively expensive place in Sydney. So uh, something along those lines. And we've had good dialogue with MLR on that and, and we hopefully come to a conclusion that soon. But essentially a lot of players, they'll be paid to play rugby and they'll be, they'll be partnered up with a, an employer as well. And they'll be they'll be working on the side, and and I actually think that's a really good model. I think if you look at professional mm-hmm. rugby and all this stuff you see with players transitioning out of the game, and and I've been through it. I think being a professional rugby player is a really great lifestyle. But when you put all your eggs in that basket, and all you're doing is playing rugby, and you're not balancing your life and your mind with with work or study or family, all these other things that play a valuable role in your 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 next fifty years of your life, I think you can kind of finish up in a little bit of a gap. So. I actually like the idea of these players coming over and, and working on outside of their rugby or studying just to, to keep them a little bit balanced. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And it really is, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Chance Wegaluski, uh, uh, Eagle, uh, talked about the importance of staying mentally healthy and having a balance in your life. So uh, we couldn't agree more. Um, I want to go back for a moment uh, because uh, you talked about it um, a few questions ago. Uh, and I think it's an important issue for a lot of fans of the MLR because there is so much uncertainty, not across, not only just the world, but uh, within the United States, particularly about the return to play and when sporting events are going to come back. Here in the States, we've seen um, the the hockey come back and basketball come back and, and the NFL has plans to, to start. But, you know, they're in kind of unique positions because of the amount of attention and 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 their their um, broadcast rights that they earn. Uh, so you mentioned it. Um, there was a rumor that no MLR teams can assemble until January 4th due to travel restrictions in the U.S. and around the globe. You mentioned difficulties getting out of Australia as a result of COVID. Uh, this is late compared with, um, you know, past seasons, um, and it'll possibly make it difficult to start in February. Is this a suggestion quite possibly that there may be a delayed start to the 2021 season? Run pass or kick with that. I think uh, we've uh, lost a little bit of your audio. You might have just stepped Sorry. down in that range. There you go. You're good. You're good. You're good. All right. I've had You're my little, in the commercial break. My, my two my year old's just come back in the house, so he's causing a little bit of havoc in the background. So I snuck outside. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's um, all good. Uh, look, I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely some talk of. Um, well, there's, I think there's a COVID committee on the MLR, which you'd expect, and right. um, 
there's a couple of different scenarios where sort of not again we're not we're not certain when the start of the season will be we're still planning as if it's february like we've got a plan as if it is and yeah, there was something sent out recently that you couldn't start training until the 4th of January as a team. So that, that again, presents a few more troubles and problems. But, again, all of this can be solved. And probably one of the beauties about being here in Oz is that uh, our, our COVID is, you know, it's it's nowhere near as bad as what it is in other countries. It's, it's probably, I think Melbourne's a really bad state here in the moment. So you can't, you can't leave Melbourne if you're from there. So they're in pretty strict lockdown. Queensland is going pretty well in New South Wales, probably somewhere in between. So we've we've had, as you've seen, like Super Rugby and Rugby League and AFL, all of our sports are back to normal. Club footy is back to normal. We're allowed crowd to about a 1,000. But probably the fact that we've been through that is, is something we'd like to think we've, you know, like it's a little bit of an advantage for us. Darren's coaching the club side here in Gordon and he's gone through the whole small group training and it's been on, it's been off, it's been groups of 10 and it's dropped back to train as individuals. So it's been a really unique thing to go through. But um, yeah, we'll be. We're just going to have to be ready to be to be adaptive and make some decisions on the run. But our, our biggest concern at the moment is just trying to find out when that start date is, and then work on on visas for players. So um, they take a little bit more time than than you'd like. And and as I said before, it's, you can't just book a flight and get out of Australia at the moment. They're pretty strict. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? You hit um, a really strong theme there that uh, the MLR, while in its you know infancy it is a bit more of a flexible league. You don't have so many moving parts going on. So many cities uh, that are the hubs for, for, you know, where you need production crews and you need all the elements that, that many of the other leagues have. So the logistics perhaps uh, are a little easier and can be sorted out with a, uh, with a little bit uh, of time and um, focus and effort. Um, With that in mind, I want to, I want to speak specifically in this last question to the LA franchise uh, LA has been linked to playing their first home match in the LA Coliseum, which holds about 80,000 fans. This venue seems to defy the practical wisdom of a smaller packed house thought process that most teams play in. So run past your kick. How does this make sense for LA? Uh, I think I'm going to kick that over back to you, Rob. I'll kick that one back to you. I think you've got more information on this than me, so you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've given me far too much credit. Um, I, I I think it depends. What I do know is that um, uh, rental rights can be negotiated, and part of those pieces involve a lot of other bits. As I said, a lot of moving parts. One of those moving parts is um, – does it have good sight lines for TV uh, TV production? And we know that the LA Coliseum has excellent sight lines. We know that they have the ability to put on a good TV product because they've hosted the Olympics. Uh, the LA Coliseum obviously hosts a team like UCLA, which has a Division One uh, football team. You know, phenomenal football team. They've had you know NFL teams uh, uh, home uh, you know play their home games there. So as far as the ability to produce and put a good quality TV product on there, I think it's really strong. And we know uh, that with the quality you know production, you can control what the crowd looks like. You know, we've seen it right now in the major sports. Hockey is playing in, you know, a 25,000-seat stadium. Uh, they're putting up nice banners for advertising. They're really promoting those advertisers who have stuck with them through COVID. And so you can kind of control what um, what the, the the seats that aren't being used, you can control those a little bit. So I think with a bit of work and, and a quality relationship with the L.A. Coliseum, I think it could be something that could produce a lot of value until a more suitable venue uh, can be, um, you know, produced. How'd I do? 
yeah, I thought that was really good. And look, I, I was over there around February or March for the LA Sevens with the Aussie guys, and I thought where we played that event was was excellent. And and then yeah, I heard talk of the Coliseum, and then when I got online, had a look, almost fell off my chair that the size of the stadium. And um, but again, like I think it's 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 a unique way of looking at things, and Grillcris looks at things in a unique through a unique landscape. So. Uh, where we end up, I'm not too sure. Like I, I initially thought it was a place where you have small venues and you pack it out, but I can see the argument. I, you look at it now. You know, I'm a Canucks fan. I watched a few of the games live over the last couple of years at the um, when the World Series event when I was up there in Vancouver. So I've been watching their their playoffs, and it's it's still as entertaining as it normally is, and yeah. they've done a good job on TV, and it just shows you what can be done. So yeah, right, exactly that. You know, and it's interesting. A lot of great points there. Uh, I want to be able to take the opportunity as we've now drawn towards the end of our interview. And again, thank you very much, uh, Steve Hoyles, for joining us here on the Rugby Rant podcast show. But before we go, I want to be able to offer a reminder to all our viewers at home that this show is brought to you in part with the help of our sponsor, the rugbyshop.com. Make sure that you go and check out all the new gear that they have available with the specials, you'll be able to take advantage of as much as 20% off all of the rent gear. So make sure that you go check out the new online store that has been launched. In fact, I think it's live right now. In fact, it was live probably just before we went live ourselves. So go and check it out. We've got some awesome gear to be able to share with you. You guys are all a part of our journey uh, between myself, Rob, and of course, in the absence of Scott, I'll say that for him as well. He's normally a firm fixture of this program as well, and you'll get to see him on the future ones. We love what we do. And we do it to be able to help grow rugby one fan at a time. Steve, you are a part of that journey in the MLR, and we wish you the best of luck. Before you go, do you have any message you want to share with your friends or family or anybody else out there? Uh, look, not, not my family. I'll have to get them on to, and subscribe to this. They're probably they're not really um, involved in this side of things yet, so I'll get the family out of that. So I've got nothing, nothing to say. Like, about yeah, like, you don't really play rugby or coach rugby, do you? Like, it's <laughs> nah, the, ki- the kids don't work it out. They just think I go outside and kick a football every couple of days. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I would just say to the, the fans out there, like I know it's been, um, it's, it's probably they're sitting there waiting for information and waiting for names and and just just trust the organisation that there's a lot of guys working behind the scenes to make sure that um, that over the next sort of four to six weeks you'll you'll see and hear a lot more news about the side and, and I'm really confident that the squad that we're putting together, whenever it is we start, um, we're going to be we're going to be competitive and we're going to we're going to be over there trying to help the game of rugby, uh, not just in Los Angeles but in all of North America. So we're, we're, we can't wait to get over there and um, we hope things work out from COVID and we're over there later this year, early next year, and, and we're ready to start round one whenever that may be. Fantastic. Once again, thanks, uh, Hoyles, for joining us here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. If you like what we do, make sure that you tune in every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. CST to find out who we have next week. That will be Nate Osberger from the, of course, San Diego Legion. That is in Eagles player as well. Check out our groups on Facebook. The MLR Fan Zone will have that information for you as well. From myself and the rest of the team here at the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, thank you for watching, and we'll see you at the next one. Bye-bye. Cheers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.